Welcome to the First Fruits Community Church Podcast. I am a pastor, Abraham Bellinger, and I'm so glad that you are listening today. Everyone needs inspiration and empowerment to make it through the ups and downs that life has to offer. So it is my privilege and my desire, as well as my passion, to bring you the Word of God, knowing that it will transform your life just as miraculously as it did mine. And now to the Word. This is such exciting times that we're living in right now. There is so much going on in the world, and we hear the scriptures literally being fulfilled uh, before our eyes. We hear it, we see it, uh, we recognize it. For those of us that are studied in the Word, we know it. Uh, And yet, at the same time, there's many people out there that have no idea what's really going on. They just hear of the wars and the rumor of wars. They hear about all the earthquakes and all of the different things that are going on, ethnicities, rising up against ethnicity. Everything that Jesus Christ said would happen is happening, and there's a lot going on. And so I've noticed there's a great desire, a great need uh, to get an understanding, not just of the Word of God, but specifically of the things to come. And so I bring to you a series, a teaching on the book of Revelation. We're going to take a little bit of time to break this down specifically, verse by verse, go into a little bit of history, a little bit of context, as we dig through each chapter of the book of Revelation. So make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you can get chapter after chapter of this commentary slash exposition of the Word of God. I'm going to start with Revelation chapter 1, and we're going to just start right at the beginning where it says the Revelation, which is the title of the book, is the Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and he signified it by his angel unto his servant, John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. And here's the blessing. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. We're talking about Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Uh, There's a blessing in those that read it, those that hear the words of this prophecy, and those that keep those things which are written in this book, for the time is truly at hand. And so the title of the book really describes the character of the book. It is not the revelation of St. John the Divine. uh, As the heading in our Bibles tell us, you know, when we read it, uh, and, and it would have us to believe, but it's really the revelation of Jesus Christ. And when we understand the word revelation in the Greek, it's called apocalypsis, uh, and that's where we get the title, the apocalypse. Uh, and so this verb form of the word apocalypto means to unveil. And so it comes from a, a word called apo, which means away from, and kaluma, which is a veil. And so apocalypsis really means to take away a veil as when a statue is unveiled. Uh, Like if we had a Statue of Liberty and we were going to present it to a nation and it was covered so nobody knew what it looked like and we we removed the the veil to show what is behind it. That's what apocalypsis really is. It's it's not so much a revelation or an unveiling of uh, the man Christ Jesus, although we do talk about a little bit uh, or, or it covers the high priestly function of who he is and the, and the kingly glory. 
Uh, but it's really an unveiling of all of the events that are going to precede and accompany his return to the earth. And this is seen from the fact that uh, what is revealed in the book was given unto Jesus Christ uh, to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, the man Christ Jesus, to show unto his servants the things which must shortly come to pass. Right, And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant, John. Now, when Jesus was asked just before his death, when the things that he had prophesied against Jerusalem should come to pass in Mark chapter 13, he replied, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither, or not yet the Son, but the Father. But after his ascension, he received from the Father the information that the disciples asked for. And before the close of the first century, what happened was one of those disciples was still alive who was the beloved John. And so he sent an angel, a messenger, to impart to him, and through him, give a message to the churches, this information that is unveiled in the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we see that the scripture would be incomplete without this message from Jesus to his body, to the, to the bride, to the church, after his return to heaven. Now, while the apostle John is the writer of the book, he is not the author, right? He's not the composer. The author is really the Lord Jesus Christ himself. The apostle, uh, the beloved John, was only a scribe. He was somebody that documented, he wrote down what he saw. Two times he says uh, that the contents of the book were revealed to him by an angel. Revelation chapter 1 and 1 and Revelations 22 and 8. So the fact that the style of the book is so different, it's just so strikingly contrasting any other book of the Bible it's really an evidence that John didn't compose this book, but that it was just really dictated and it was visualized to him. So in all of the matter that he received, uh, in, in the majesty, in, in the sublimity of its language, it came in harmony with all of the other books in the scripture, uh, and yet at the same time is, is just incomparably above all of the scriptures in the word of God. It's really the signing and the sealing of the things to come. And so what I really love about this is, is that uh, it's the only portion of the New Testament that Jesus actually gives his endorsement. He actually puts his signature on it and says at the close of this book, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you the things uh, in the churches, these things in the churches. That's Revelations 22 and 16. So the book of Revelation then it's not, it's not a compilation of a bunch of apocalyptic literature mixed with a bunch of different heathen visions, uh, Christianized, kind of like bringing a patchwork of Jewish and heathen folklore together. But it is literally the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent this message by his angel. Now, who this angel is, we're not told. But we know when John fell down to worship him, the angel says, See, thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. So he must have been one of the old prophets that was raised up for this perfect purpose. Uh, the, the book is a prophetic book. It's, it's not a history book. It does not record the past. 
but it simply reveals the future. And it makes this claim in the title, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. And so uh, it's really summing up, it's the summing up, it's the consummation of all the prophecies in the scriptures. In, in the book of Revelation of Jesus Christ, every unfilled profi- uh, prophecy is fulfilled. It's the finality of prophecy until Jesus comes back. And so there has been no new revelation since it was written. Uh, and anybody that claims to have received a new revelation or a later revelation, uh, all of those are imposters. They're, they're false prophets. There's no place for additions to this book. There's no place for, for subtractions to it. Uh, it opens with a blessing, as a matter of fact, as promised to those who read it. And it ends with a curse upon those who add to it and those who take from it. So so nothing is really said about understanding the book, but blessed is he that reads it. Or, or, or maybe somebody can't really read really well, but blessed are they that even hear the words that are written in this book. And so doubtless we know there's a blessing on the reader and the hearers of these scriptures written uh, in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, and they would actually read these scriptures out in the synagogue or in a church um, you know, in the early church and read it out loud. And today, many preachers take, take text from the book of Revelation and should because there's so much in it that we need to know about to prepare ourselves for the things to come. Now, uh, the book, you know, is, is just amazing. There's so much in it. Um, and, and the book, if it was up to the enemy, he would try to get people to move away from it, not preach from it. Because of its mysterious character, a lot of people are afraid to even take it up and preach from it. Um, but I believe that's one of the, 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 the devices or one of the schemes that Satan uh, employs against God's people is to neglect this great book that foretells Satan's casting as the prince of the powers of the air and the god of this age out of the heavenlies. It talks about Satan's imprisonment in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. And then it talks about his final casting into the lake of fire. And so, of course, you know, while Satan hates all scripture in general, he hates the books of Genesis and Revelation specifically. And so he attacks the authenticity of the first book of our Bible called Genesis, and he seeks to have the book of Revelation neglected. Now, this book is not only a prophetic book, but it's very symbolic. Uh, In other words, it's written a lot in symbolic language. Uh, and, and we hear that he says he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. The word signified means it's given in signs, it's given in symbols. It's, it, should be, it should be really focused on being pronounced as a, a sign book almost. There's, there's so many signs that we see as we go through and study these scriptures. Uh, and so there's, there's symbols, there's <clears throat> so much stuff throughout the Bible, but they're not really explained um, throughout the scriptures in detail, and no one can really understand all of those signs throughout the scriptures unless they understand the book of Revelation. And guess what? You really can't even understand the book of Revelation unless you understand the book of Daniel. The prophet Daniel was told to seal up the words of his prophecy until the time of the end. Not, not the end of time, but the end of the times of the Gentiles. And so the writer of the book of Revelation was told to seal not the sayings of the book Why? Because the time is at hand. So the symbolism of the book of Revelation shows that it was written for a special class, for those who are acquainted with the word of God, who have spiritual discernment, 
and really not for the carnally minded readers. You see, the Bible says the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and our children forever. Uh, the, the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ was written to reveal or to disclose the purpose of God as to the earth and to the nations. And we are not prying into his secrets when we read and study it. He wants us to understand it. Uh, it's, it's the last prophecy. And so uh, we naturally would expect to kind of add it all up um, and take all the previous prophecy and, and, and kind of look at all this stuff and, and, what, and try to figure it all out. But what the book of Revelation does for us is it sums up everything that has to do with the church, it has to do with Israel, and has to do with the nations. And so this last prophecy really gives us the final word and what it's all about. And so we find the church right in the beginning of the book of Revelation. We find the nation of Israel in the middle of it. And then at the end, we see the saved nations. And so these three are also seen in the construction of the holy city, New Jerusalem, where we have the church and the foundation that's represented by the names of the 12 apostles. Then we see Israel in the gates with the names of the 12 tribes that are written over those gates. And then we see the saved nations in the streets where they walk in the light of the city's glory. Now, the book of Revelation is definitely a Jewish book. It's seen in all the signs and the symbolisms like the tabernacle, the ark, the altar, the trumpets, the plagues, the, the sealing of the 144,000 of Israel. It's a very Jewish book because, you know, God in it, after the church is taken out, is dealing again with Israel. Um, as a matter of fact, from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 19, uh, he reveals what's going to take place during the last or the 70th week of Daniel's vision of 70 weeks. So it's the book of consummation, and its proper place in the Bible is right there at the end because we understand, again, this is the summing up of all things. The, the book is full of action. I mean, earth and heaven are brought together. The clouds roll away. Thrones and elders and angelic forms are seen. Uh, people are strumming on harps, playing trumpets. We hear cries from disembodied souls and choruses of heaven singing songs never been heard before. Earth touching heaven and, 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 and finally touching hell as well. Uh, good and evil clash and meet. Uh, there's no blending, but there's a lot of sharp contrasts. Uh, there's a, a long protracted conflict that ends in victory for good. And the beast and the false prophet and Satan and all of his hosts and death and Hades, they all find their place in the lake of fire. So it really describes the culmination of the evils that are foreseen all throughout the scriptures that are declared to us. And it talks about the consummation of everything that the prophets told us about. The creation of the new heaven, the creation of the new earth, in which righteousness is going to dwell. And then finally, we see the patience of the patriarchs and the saints being rewarded. Uh, the longings of our faith and the hope of Israel and the church being fulfilled. And the glory of God shining unhindered on the scene of righteousness and peace and glory. So the Bible begins, right, with paradise lost and it closes with paradise regained. Now, the salutation in chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, sounds like this. It says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, 
and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us or loosed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this salutation is being addressed to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, Asia isn't really meant as the great continent of Asia, or even all of Asia Minor, but really just kind of the western end of Asia Minor, bordering on the Aegean Sea and the Mediterranean Sea, is about the size of the state of Pennsylvania. And neither do these seven churches mean that there were only seven churches in that area, because there were at least three other churches in Colossus and Heropolis and Troas. So these seven churches then must have been representative or typical churches that were chosen because of certain characteristics they represented uh, of the Church of Christ, of the body of Christ. Not just in that day, but we'll see also on down through the centuries of the church age until the church is actually removed from the earth. And so they really represent the seven church periods uh, that are clearly defined in church history. When we go back and study that, you understand that there are clearly defined periods in church history. And we're going to see this as we dig a little bit into this through this podcast. And then, finally, the benediction, right? He says, Grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, right? And so what we see is we see the, the one true and living God, uh, we see that Jesus is, uh, he's distinguished from him, the Father, which is and which was and which is to come. But then he also claims the same title, right? Which shows us that God is in Trinity, right? God is one. He's Father in creation, Son in redemption, Holy Ghost in regeneration. So Jesus was God manifesting the flesh. He and the Father are one, and we see all of this being broke down. Uh, Grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, right? And so it's also really worthy to note the threefold office here that's being described uh, of Jesus. Uh, Jesus was a prophet, he was a priest, and he's a king. Uh, And it's brought out in this salutation. He's called the faithful witness. And as such, he's a prophet, right? He's a witness. He's a faithful prophet. He's a faithful witness. And as the first begotten from the dead, you know, he carried his own blood into the heavenly tabernacle. And so he performed the work of a priest. And then we see he's the prince of the kings of the earth as he's going to be when he takes the throne and he will be a king. And so as prophet, Jesus is uh, the word. As priest, he is the lamb of God. And as king, he is the lion. And so John emphasizes the fact that Jesus loved us before he washed us, right? He, he loved us before he loosed us from our sins in his own blood, and that he made us kings and priests unto God, and that we need no human priest to stand between us and God. And so here's the announcement, Revelations 1 and 7. He says, Behold, he comes with clouds, and guess what? Every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And what this is referring to is the second stage of Christ's coming. It's the revelation or what we call the appearing. So the first stage of his coming is at the rapture. 
Uh, and then this is going to, uh, this will fulfill Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. They, the Jews, shall look upon me, Jesus, whom they have pierced. And this is confirmation uh, of the view that the book of Revelation deals mainly with the events that follow after the rapture and precede and attend the revelation or the coming of the Lord to, you know, to the earth. And so it's, it's really difficult to imagine the grief and the remorse that's going to fill the heart of those Jews who are going to witness the return of the Lord to the Mount of Olives when they, when they see in his hands and feet the print of the nails and he'll be revealed as the one that they crucified. Uh, pretty much like Thomas, they'll probably cry out, Lord, my Lord and my God. Now, the prophet Zechariah descri describes this time as a time of bitterness and a day of great mourning in Jerusalem when families will separate themselves from their neighbors and they'll mourn every family apart. And not only shall the Jews mourn because they rejected him when he came the first time, but the nations of the earth will wail when they realize that he has come back, not as a savior, but as a judge to punish them for their iniquities. God bless you. Make sure you tune in for our next podcast, which is going to start to cover the things which thou hast seen out of the book of Revelations chapter one. We're going to keep going through that chapter to study it and dig deep into it in Jesus name. God bless you. Subscribe to First Fruits Community Church podcast. And thank you so much for your support. If you'd like to make a donation to keep this word of God coming to many souls, you can go to firstfruitscommunitychurch.com, click on the give button, and be a blessing to the kingdom in Jesus' name.